0: Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And would you believe that we are fixing to leave his second year of ministry and enter into his third year? We're still uh, covering his uh, mission in Galilee with his great Galilean ministry. And we're going to leave off miracles for just a moment or two. And we're going to talk about a subject that is very pertinent to us today. Uh, miracles are important. Signs and wonders and miracles are very important when it comes to the preaching of the gospel and winning the loss to Christ. But we're going to be talking about the ministry of Jesus and the mission of the 12 disciples. Not only was what Jesus said to the disciples pertinent uh, to them at that time, it's also pertinent to us, because, as you know, the word of God is uh reflective in every generation. Uh it was true 2000 years ago and it's true today. Uh the words of the Lord Jesus Christ have not changed. Uh what he said to the disciples he's ta- speaking also to the disciples in this time and in this day. Amen. So uh we're going to learn some good things today and uh we're also going to receive a challenge and a charge concerning our discipleship. And so um this is going to be a very interesting and a very rewarding session. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you, Lord. Now, now, Lord, we will learn nothing unless the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. <coughs> our teacher. Come alongside of us and teach us and bring revelation to us. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Now, before we begin, I want to talk to you concerning the role of the church, not only within the church, but in the world. Now, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are a list of nine manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, both the speaking gifts, the revelation gifts, and the power gifts. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And then in verse Twenty eight of the same chapter, there's a list of eight operations comprised of the offices within the church. I, I look at this as the government of the church, just a um, a summary of the government of the church. Uh, first, apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, working of miracles, gifts of healings that comprised the evangelistic ministry and helps governments that comprises the pastoral ministry. And then the eighth operation is diversities of tongues. And Paul spends a lot of time on this gift. He devotes an entire chapter 14 to the rules that govern uh, the speaking gifts, both uh, uh, tongues and interpretation and prophecy. Amen. Praise God. And how the diversities of tongues operate within the church. And then over in um, Romans chapter 12, I think beginning in about verse 4 and going down through verse, uh, I'm trusting my memory now, verse 6, 7, somewhere around there, uh, Paul talks about gifts within the church that every believer uh, has as a function in the church to make the church uh, whole, to make it strong, Uh prophecy exhortation, uh, teaching, uh, mercy, uh, administration. Um, I don't recall all seven of them. I don't have that in front of me right now, but uh, there are seven there. There are nine manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, and there are eight operations of God. Uh, you add these up, and the total is 24. Well, 24 happens to be the number of the priesthood. And so I look at this as... This is what comprises uh, the gifts I'm speaking of, what comprises uh, the priesthood of the believer and how that all of us are work are to work together to function together for the edification of the body of Christ for the work of the ministry until we all come to that place of maturity. And of course, the place of maturity is the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. Praise God. Amen. And so. In order for us to have these gifts, to operate in this gifts, we first have to be called. And now and the born again church is that church which has been called. They've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And so when God saved us, uh, he begins fulfilling the plan and purpose that he has for us. That was a fact in his mind before the foundation of this world was ever laid. Amen. And so you are very important to God. You are very. Well, let me say it again. You are very important to God for him. For you, rather, to be a fact in God's mind before the foundation of this world was ever laid. Let you know just how important you are to his plan and to his purpose. After all, if you don't fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life, then who is going to? Somebody else is going to have to do that. Amen. And so um, if we want to be full of the spirit, if we want to be full of the things of God, if we want to be full in every measure. Amen. If we want to uh, mature to the place of the full measure of the stature of Christ, then we've got to pursue God's plan and purpose. Amen. And uh, and once we find God's plan and purpose and pursue it, Amen. We'll come into the greatest satisfaction, the greatest place of peace, uh, the greatest experience of joy that's in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And so we're going to talk about part of that calling today. And we're going to begin in Matthew chapter nine and we'll be over in Matthew chapter six and then Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be spread throughout Matthew and Mark today. But I want to start out in Matthew chapter nine, verses thirty five through thirty eight. Notice what Jesus says here. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That was his ministry, teaching, preaching and healing. Notice this every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Verse 36 presents to us the heart of the pastoral ministry. Being moved with compassion upon the sheep that has been placed into his charge to make sure that they're fed and that they are not scattered. When the pastor or the shepherd is scattered, I mean, when the, the uh, shepherd is taken out, the sheep are scattered. And so it's very important for the pastor to be in his place, the place that God has called him uh, to be uh, protected by the prayers of the saints and to be strong in the things of God. And then verse 37 says, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And this verse reminds me of the psalmist that said, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that go forth weeping, bearing precious seed with them, shall once again return, bearing their sheaves with them. Talking about harvest. Amen. Talking about doing exactly what Jesus did, and that is he was moved with compassion on them. Praise God. We need to be moved with compassion upon the lost and them that are out of the way. Now, there's a lot of of sinners in this world we're never going to be able to help. They just will not open their ears, will not open their heart uh, to receive the gospel. But there are many that can be. Amen. And these are the ones that the Lord will lead us to. Remember our study of the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus didn't know her. Jesus had no idea who this woman was. All this woman did was hear of Jesus, heard the things that Jesus would did and stirred in her. And so to make a long story short, when she touched the hem of his garment, she was made whole. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there are people out there that are destined to. Well, all are destined to receive Christ, but only few. All are called. Many are called, but few are chosen. That's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 15. And we just have to trust that the Lord is going to lead us to those. Amen. Who, whose hearts God has opened to receive the truth. Amen. Praise God. All right. Now, the mission of the 12 disciples, this is found in Mark chapter six. And we're also going to read Mar- Matthew chapter 10, too. Mark, uh, Mark, chapter six, beginning of verse seven says, and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Think about that. And commanded them. Remember, we had talked about authority and power is how we command. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we do it. Now, Jesus is commanding his disciples that they should take nothing for the journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse. But be shod, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil, many that were sick and healed them. Now, that's the overview. That's Mark's overview. But there's something that Matthew has added. And this is his discourse to the twelve before he sent them out. And so we want to center in upon what Matthew uh, has recorded here in Matthew, chapter 10, beginning in verse one. Notice, and when he had called his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these first Simon, who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother. Now, these are the the first top four. And notice how Andrew Matthew lists Andrew ahead of James and John. We'll see, many places, especially in the Acts, it was Peter, James and John that seemed to be the elders of the church. Andrew is not mentioned. But in this catalog of the disciples names, Andrew is second. And then you have the others. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the publican. He is the author of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. James, the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose name was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, these are the 12 that Jesus sent forth, verse 5, and commanded. Now, notice that word commanded, amen. It is, it's a verb and it means to order or to charge. So he charged these 12 and saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. It was the Jews that were first to hear the gospel. And if you remember the book of Acts, that's exactly who Paul and Barnabas went to first. They went to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Verse six, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice this now. This is the authority that Jesus has given his disciples. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. So Jesus is conferring his healing anointing upon the 12. Amen. Well, these 12 have to have the Holy Ghost upon them if they're going to do these kind of works. Amen. And so notice this, that he told these 12, you go preach. And heal. Notice he didn't say anything about teaching. Why is that? Well, It's because the 12 haven't learned anything yet. I mean, they're still in training. They will learn and they will teach once on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and the one that is in them in his fullness. Now, he will bring remembrance to the things that Jesus has said. And that is how we have the entire New Testament today. Praise God. But notice what else Jesus says. Now, he says to these 12. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. You don't take anything with you. There's a lot of people that miss out in the ministry because they feel like they have to have a lot of money first before they can answer the call. And Jesus is sending these out and he's telling them, don't you take any money with you. Don't you take any support with you. You go. Amen. Praise God. You notice the Great Commission when Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, he didn't say anything about money. He didn't say anything at all about now save up and before you go, have plenty of money. He didn't say anything like that. But yet what we have so much of the time in the mission field is people have to have money up, saved up. They've got to have, you know, support raised before they can even go. Well, how does that correlate to what Jesus said to the disciples and what he's saying to us. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give, provide neither gold nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves for the workman is worthy of his meat or he is worthy of his hire. Amen. Praise God. Now, I understand the 12 had the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But we get into this trap of thinking that we've got to have a lot of money first before we can go into the ministry. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't do that, because when you go out, uh, you're going to get everything that you need. He will make sure that everything that the disciples need will be supplied. Amen. And so it is a maxim in the church. So those who proclaim the gospel will get their living from the gospel. That's exactly what Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, told them. They're, the, the disciples of the Lord, if they go in faith, they will be supernaturally cared for while they go forth. They will supernaturally be cared for while they go forth. Amen. And remember in Luke, towards the end of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, uh, he asked the disciples, he says, when I sent you out, did you like anything? And what did they say? No, we didn't like a thing. Amen. Praise God. As a matter of fact, and we're, we'll cover this when we get there. Uh, Jesus told and this is recorded in, in Mark and also in Matthew. Uh, Jesus said to uh, the disciples, whatever you forsake for the Gospels, you're going to receive a hundredfold in this life. Now, it's going to come along with persecutions. But in the end, you're going to receive eternal life also. Praise God to add to it. So that's in this life, a hundredfold return in this life. And what that is saying to us is that uh, what we give for the gospel, we're going to get much, much back. Praise God. Amen. And so verse 11 says, and to whatsoever city or town, you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy and there abide till you go. thence." notice what Jesus said there abide until you know that speaks to me of the new birth, and into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, and cry who is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. Amen. You see, we have inquired to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and he and we have received him, and he has come into us. You see, and it is here, there that we're abiding until he comes. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we go out, there's always going to be those who have ears to hear. There's always going to be those who have ears to hear. But how are they going to be able to hear if there's not a preacher? And how is there going to be a preacher unless they're sent? Praise God. So I remember years ago as I was graduating from Bible school, I was getting real spiritual, you know, trying to figure out what the Lord wanted me to do upon graduation. And so on my way to work, I I was praying, Lord, Lord, I need to know I need to know what you want me to do. And he yelled at me. He commanded. It was the inward voice of the spirit said, go. (laughs) Didn't give any particulars. He just said, go. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so that's what he's wanting this. And I remember Daisy Osborne saying many years ago, just go start in your own backyard and dig your way to China. Praise the Lord. Amen. Verse 12 says, and when you come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Remember, in the Old Testament. The house of Obedidim. Remember how when people were running away from the ark, he welcomed the ark into his place. And what did God do? Blessed the house of Obadiah. I tell you what, receiving Jesus into our household. God rewards great peace, great peace. I want to ask you a question. When people come into your house, do they sit down and after a while say, you know, there's wonderful peace in this house? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit. He abides. He abides where he's welcome. Praise God. Where truth is worked out, where it's walked out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 13 says If the house be worthy. Let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. For verily, I say to you, It shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. See, this is an absolute. People have no people who reject Jesus have no other recourse because there's no other name by which we can be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. Now, this next session, Jesus talks about the dangers of being a disciple of Christ when we go out. And so this is a warning. And it's also wisdom that Jesus is teaching His disciples and teaching us also of how to go about ministering in a hostile world. Notice He says in verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Okay, now this euphemism, wise as serpents, harmless as doves, is explained, what Jesus means is explained in the first part of this verse, amen, I send you forth as sheep, harmless as doves in the midst of wolves. Now, what are wolves? Well, they're predators and they like to devour. They like to destroy. And there are people in this world that wish and it is their mission in this life to devour and destroy the works of Jesus. They're motivated by the devil himself. Amen. Amen. And they'll destroy uh, Christ's disciples. They'll destroy the Bible. That's exactly what's going on in, in a communist China. That's why communist China, there is a target on that nation. That nation will fall. I don't know when, but that nation will fall. That regime, amen, that is burning Bibles, taking Bibles away from Christians, torturing, tormenting and killing Christians and throwing them into into, into prison just because they're out ministering. Uh, they that that nation is going to be uh, destroyed. One thing I have come to realize about evil: evil will always destroy itself. I remember one of my Bible school teachers saying, "He says if this pulpit is sin, and I'm a sinner, and I'm embracing this sin, and even though I hear the gospel, I am not going to turn loose of sin when God sends the fire of judgment upon sin." where is the sinner going to stand? He's going to be destroyed right along with the sin. Now, God wants to separate the sinner from his sin. But if the sinner refuses to do so, he will be uh, destroyed. And so that's why I know these countries that are persecuting and killing God's people, they will be destroyed. And then verse 17, notice, and this is once again, we're talking about What Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as of doves, harmless as doves rather. Verse 17, but beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in the synagogues and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Notice Jesus said, beware of men. Just like serpents avoid predators, we are to avoid these wolves. Amen. We go after those that Jesus said are like sheep scattered without a shepherd. Those are the ones that we have compassion on. Those are the ones that we're going after and God will lead us to those. Amen. But we are to do exactly what Jesus said when it comes to the wolves. And he continues and he says, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak for. It shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaks in you. So there is God working even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of trial and testing and even in the midst of martyrdom. God is speaking. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is going to give us exactly what to say. Amen. Praise God. And verse 21. Now. What Jesus is talking about in this section is that the gospel is going to separate light from darkness. And it most likely will uh, take place and it not most likely it will take place within the family setting. And I think Jesus here is talking specifically about the Jewish family. Because that's who the disciples are going out to minister to. They're not going out to minister to Samaritans. They're not going out to minister to the Gentiles. They're going out to minister to Jewish families. And notice what Jesus says here in verse 21. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father the child. And the child shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end, the same, shall be saved. See, this is not just speaking to the twelve. It's speaking to us also. But notice what Jesus says here in verse 23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. Isn't that what a dove does when he's in danger? He flees. He doesn't stand and fight. He doesn't seek revenge. He flees. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. So in this uh, three verses, martyrdom was not to be sought for. But the disciples are to flee the wrath in order to preach. Now, there comes a time where You can't get out of this situation. And God knows that. And God will always, if that time ever comes, God will always give you and me as his disciples the strength to endure. And then verse 24 and 25, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub. How much more shall they call them of his household? So I want you to notice the relationship that the Lord has with us, his disciples, disciple and master, servant and Lord. That's who we are. We're his disciple and we are his servants. Amen. And so the wrath of man that did what the wrath of man did to the master will also be done to his disciples. And then and then Jesus says this. He says, fear them not. Verse 26. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach upon the housetop. So Jesus is saying, what I've taught you, you go out and preach it. And don't you worry about those that want to destroy you, because in the end, they're the ones that are going to be destroyed, and you're the one that's going to be preserved for life eternal. In verse 28, he says, and fear them not which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen. See, the men of this earth, they can only destroy this earthly body. And that's just for a moment. But they can't touch. Amen. They can't touch the spirit that belongs to God. And in finishing out this uh, discourse, notice Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many many sparrows. And then he says this, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. Speaking to Jews now. Speaking to those in the church that their entire life they have denied Christ, but yet they have a church membership. They're going to be denied before the father. And then finishing out in verse 34 through 42. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter in law against her mother in law. A man's foes shall they be of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that receives you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. He that receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily, I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Amen. So this is the cost of discipleship. But there's great reward. The reward far outweighs the cost. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And notice the absoluteness. Men must repent. They must receive Jesus in order to be saved. Anything less than that. And men are going to be rejected. Father, we bless you today in the name of Jesus, Lord. And uh, we strengthen our resolve to be disciples, Lord. And to preach your word and to obey you and to honor you in everything, even if it means persecution, even if it means humiliation, even if it means being reviled. Lord, we will not revile again, but we'll do exactly what you said. Father, we are going to love everyone. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Amen. So, Father, we thank you today for what you have done for us. Amen. And we give you glory and honor and praise in your wonderful name.
1: Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ.